Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. I'm Jeremy from Utah. And I am Ken in Indiana. And it's season three. Cue all the graphics and sound effects. Oh, I think I left those in my van or something. Oh, man. Bummer. Yeah. Well... As disappointing as that is, we it's still an exciting thing. It's season three. Here we are, and we have an interview with Ray Comfort coming up for you today, which you already know about. You saw the title, and uh, that's a really great conversation that we'll talk about more in a moment. But before we get into that, we need to play the music, and the music's new. It is new. It is fantastic. And you've heard it, haven't you, Ken? I have. They haven't heard it yet. But they're going to. Right now. Neither Bethel nor Hillsong meet the biblical definition of a true church. Did you know that Jesus was born again? Is his view heretical? If it isn't, then there's no such thing as heresy. It's not just a black and white issue. There's an issue, there's a question of moderation and how damaging and how harmful things are. Not every act of divine revelation is equal in authority. Angelic forces, angelic reinforcement. I mean, it's it's hard to even respond to that, isn't it? It's, it's mind-numbing, it's blasphemous. When the apostles use the word atonement, they do not depict an angry God. It's cryptic, it's watered down, it has nothing to do with the judicial aspect of the Christian gospel. The most important of all doctrines is that the Bible is the word of God. They have different ideas than you do. You don't have to automatically kick them out of the kingdom. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it's a lot of fun making that. The music is provided by our good friend Dustin Garrett, the talented Dustin Garrett of Peoria, Illinois, who works for Samaritan Ministries, Christian Healthcare Sharing. You should find out more about that. Uh, and if, if you have any questions, Dustin will answer all of your questions for you. He's a fellow Bears fan. Go Bears. Oh. Football. Why are we talking about football? I don't know. Actually, when this comes out, it'll be... Right before the Super Bowl, won't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll be right through. Yeah, I think so. So I don't know when the Super Bowl is. I'm not. I don't know. Well, um, my prediction is that the Bills are going to beat the Buccaneers. And uh, you don't know when we recorded this, listener. So I, I might be a total, total genius uh, by saying wow. that. Wow. Or profit. If Mahomes plays. Chiefs will be in the Super Bowl, I think. Chiefs but stink. I'm, but I am very much hoping for Bills Buccaneers. You and Chiefs I might be stink. You and I might be the only people on the face of the earth hoping for Bills Buccaneers. But yeah, we, we digress on the face of the earth <laughs> who are just totally against the Chiefs, and also the Packers on my end. So. Ah. Go St. Louis Rams. <laughs> anyway, okay. We're, we're getting a little far afield. Yeah. So season three, uh, this is the first episode of season three. This isn't the Ray Comfort interview yet. Uh, we're getting to that, but we're glad you're here. We hope you stick around and you listen uh, in the upcoming episodes because we have interviews coming up with Elisa Childers, Bob Coughlin, Carl Truman, Nate Pickowitz, Matt Slick, and others. This season, we're really trying to diversify 
the interviewees that we have. So not just pastors and authors, but we have apologists, evangelists, professors, a musician, a Bible college professor, uh, or president rather, Bible college president, and uh, even a podcast network manager. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. So please stick with us and uh, listen to each episode and give us feedback. Yeah, and really that feedback is really so critical. I mean, you hear if you listen to podcasts, you hear the host always talking about this, and we're going to talk about it too because it really is that helpful for us to be doing things like rating and reviewing the show and sharing it on your social media platforms. It makes a huge different difference for us. We and we're not re- talking about like Patreon. You don't have to support no. us on Patreon. Uh, we're no. not asking for money. Hopefully, we we'll never ask for money. We just want your support on the podcast uh, downloading sites. Yeah, especially iTunes. iTunes is the big biggest one that, that makes a makes the biggest difference. What's so, iTunes? I always, always say that, and you always catch me on it. Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. <sighs> anyway, we did get <laughs> a few reviews since we last recorded episodes, and I'm going to read one of those for us today. It's from Superpastor3697. Great name. Great podcast, he says. Great guys. I've enjoyed your podcast this year and hope you continue to make more thanks. Well, we thank you, Super Pastor. You know what? You probably are a Super Pastor. But judging so. by that comment, I'm going to say you are more than qualified to be a pastor. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we really do appreciate it. Uh, very helpful to give us those stars and to give us that comment. So thank you so much. Appreciate that. It's our pleasure to have these conversations, and we do hope they are helpful for the church. That's why we're doing this, is for the maturity and for the wisdom of the Bride of Christ. That's why we're here. Yes. And um, speaking of helping the church, the chart has been updated. Uh, Everything is just so new right now. Uh, The music is new, and our guests are new, and we have a new chart. Now, when I say a new chart, it's not radically new from the one there was before. The one that we'd been using before was one that I had made individually, uh, developed over the years. And Ken and I kind of went back through it together. Uh, didn't go back to the drawing board necessarily, but we did go back and uh, seek to make it better. And you'll look at it. It'll look very similar to the chart that you've seen before, but um, we made what we consider to be great improvements to it. And we think, uh, we think it'll be more useful for God's people now that we've made these changes. Yeah. And, and uh, we're going to talk more about those changes in future episodes and discuss a little bit of the particulars of those things as we just kind of review what's happened. But yeah, we think it's going to be just incredibly, it, it was a great resource before. Well, it just got even better. So Make sure you go over to dotheology.com slash chart to view that. And yeah, let us know what you think. All right. Well, now we have our conversation with Ray Comfort coming up. We uh, just really love talking to him. He truly is the real deal. Uh, he was a what you see is what you get kind of guy, which is what we like. And he had a lot of encouragement for us in the way of biblical evangelism and uh, the convictions that we should have as we go to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So we hope you enjoy this interview. 
Joining our podcast today is the founder and CEO of Living Waters, a ministry that seeks to train the members of Christ's body in the principles of biblical evangelism. He is one of the most recognizable evangelists of our day and is affectionately known as the Banana Man in atheist communities. He has authored over 90 books and tracks, produced numerous films, and co-hosts the award-winning TV program Way of the Master. You can learn more about all of these ministries at livingwaters.com. Ray Comfort, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate that. Ray, we live in a time when uh, public consciousness may have more awareness of the reality of death than it has had in a very long time because of the pandemic and things of that nature. But we also live at a time when people are also seem to be more closed off to some personal conversations, especially from strangers, because of that very fear of illness and death. So I'm just curious, are you still engaging in open-air preaching during this time? Uh, have you found different ways to continue to reach out with the gospel? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm not open-air preaching, and it's not because of the pandemic. It's because of the Trump supporters at Huntington Beach. Mm-hmm. They um, hold up signs saying, honk, if you support Trump. And there's continual honking for hours. <laughs> And I've been driven out of open-air preaching, and I thought, I know how I can fix this. I'll get a big sign that says, honk if you love Biden, and no one will touch their horns. But as it is, it's driving me crazy. So I've been going down there each Saturday and doing one-to-one on the pier with my camera, and that's been working out great. I go out every day on my bike with my trusty dog wearing sunglasses. Ooh, <clears throat> picture's worth a thousand words. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, I get... Sometimes I go four or five times, don't get anyone. Uh, other days I'll get two or three interviews in a row, which is just wonderful. And I'm so encouraged by uh, Luke 15, where Jesus said a woman lost a coin and she searched diligently for it. A shepherd lost a sheep, searched diligently for it. Sometimes I have to really search to get people to witness to it. It's not a matter of them coming up to you. And sometimes I'll go hunting the beach, I'll go for an hour and a half and not get anyone. And then suddenly mm. bang, 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 two or three in a row that are really good. So it pays to be persistent. Um, the continuation of that question, which I thought was a great question, is that uh, I, I read with the CDC said in June of 2020, 25 million Americans seriously considered committing suicide. That statistic horrified me. So I wrote a book called Counting the Days. It's on Bible prophecy. I stripped all the controversial prophecy out of the book and it ended up being two pages with very large font. That's like a joke. Um, thank you. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> but I wrote a book on, on non-controversial prophecies that have been fulfilled, you know, like men's hearts failing them for fear of that which is coming upon the earth and lawlessness, etc. in the last days. And uh, I thought, man, this is great, but how am I going to get this book to people when they won't come out of their homes? And even if you approach them, they want you to stay back. And I had an idea, and I, I thought of the idea by remembering what paper boys did when I was a kid. They'd throw papers up people's driveways using their bike. And so I got in my car, put books inside uh, plastic door hanger bags, and I flung them up people's driveways. And hmm. I got so blessed doing it, thinking hmm. someone's going to pick this book up. Went back three days later, and all the books had been picked up except for one, which was poorly tossed. So. Uh, come April of this coming year, we're going to have a national throw books up driveways. We're getting 250,000 printed, first print. We're making the books available free of charge, and we're going to pay the shipping. And uh, we're super excited about this. So if people have got no money, which a lot of people haven't nowadays, 
and they care about their neighborhood, they can go flinging books out their car window, take the family with them, go for a walk with the dog, pull a tray along, a trolley along carrying books, or just get on a bike and fling them, uh, or even go at night if you're nervous. And uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful, exciting thing to do. So wow. we're thrilled about it. And people can find out about the details of that on livingwaters.com. But it'll take a couple of days before we've got our site up. Well, our church is going to sign up. That is amazing. I, I love that idea. Uh, another thing that we're seeing these days is a, I mean, we're seeing it to a larger and larger degree in America, especially, is pressure from the world against Christianity, from non-believers against uh, Jesus followers. And Christians are increasingly mocked and ridiculed in this country and marginalized. And, and you're no stranger to ridicule yourself. We mentioned in the introduction that uh, you're the banana man yeah, to the atheist community. Uh, you've been ridiculed in that way. And it has led to a great opportunity for the gospel in your ministry uh, through that. But, but I'm wondering if you can walk us through why it's so hard for us to take our eyes off of ourselves, and if there are any practical helps that you have that you can give us when it comes to swallowing our pride in these evangelistic encounters. Well, that's a pregnant question. Wonderful uh, question with a lot of stuff that brings birth to truth. One is that I was open air preaching many years ago uh, in the city of Christchurch in New Zealand, and uh, I went to my open air preaching spot, and a buddy had got up, and he was speaking off his little ladder, and, and some people came across and stopped them speaking. And I didn't realize, but they were peace marchers who in the name of peace were saying, we don't want you to, uh, to speak. And they stopped them speaking. So I jumped alongside them. I says, oh, you guys are peace marchers. Well, you want peace without God. We want peace with God. Carry on preaching, Wally. And he kept preaching. And uh, they stopped him again. So I jumped down in front of the crowd and began preaching. They ran across to me and began stopping me. And as soon as they put me out, uh, uh, um, Wally burst into flames. And quite seriously, you don't know the Holy Spirit dwells within you until the winds of persecution come against you. Something mm -hmm. supernatural happens, which is what happened in the book of Acts when uh, Saul of Tarsus was breathing out slaughter against the church. They went everywhere preaching the word. Persecution fans the flame. And so I don't think we need to fear persecution because it's going to... Um, cause many to come to Christ. What we have to do is just strengthen our hearts so that we realize what we're called to. We've had this silly gospel that says God has a wonderful plan for your life that's pervaded throughout America for the last 30 or 40 years. And I often think of um, Jesus talking to the thief on the cross next to him. And, and the thief turns to him and he puts his faith in Jesus and turns from his sins and realizes that he sinned against God. Jesus said, uh, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then he says, and welcome to God's wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> crucified. And as the soldiers come and break your legs, hmm. that's the wonderful plan that God had for this guy's life. And I had a, a bone broken when I was in school. I was 11 years old and it hurt so much. I, I remember I could not cry. And to have both of your legs broken and you suffocate uh, being, while being crucified is a horror beyond words. So, it really, you know, I lean down to Stephen as he's being stoned to death and say, hey, wonderful plan. Or the Apostle Paul is being, as he's being stoned or whipped as the disciples as they lose their lives. Fox's Book of Martyrs, all through that. So being a Christian means if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you what I do practically when something rotten happens. Luke 6, Jesus said, uh, blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you, say all manner of evil against you falsely. 
uh, uh, rejoice, leap for joy. And we kind of skip over the leap for joy, but I, I've not skipped over it. I've stopped and thought it says to leap for joy. So when something rotten happens, I think I remember something. I think atheists uh, put out a, a, a meme with my picture on it with a quote that was supposedly from me saying, if God told me to, I'd sacrifice my children in an instant like Abraham did. And I didn't write that. Hmm. Crazy stuff. And I got atheists all over the place saying, you wicked, evil, evil man. Hmm. Call yourself a Christian, a father, blah, blah, blah. And they had police come around home uh, to see how my children were doing. And when they came inside, they said, oh, where's your children? I said, they're all married with kids. And he said, what? And, uh, and, uh, and I showed them all the atheists that abused me, and they, they laughed and left. But when something rotten happens to you, leap for Christ, physically leap for joy. Don't just say it, do it. Hmm. I remember once I did it in my office, and you feel dumb doing it. <laughs> I, I just leapt for joy. I says, praise the Lord. And there was a knock on my door, and one of the members of the staff opened the door and said, uh, someone's just given the ministry $20,000. And I thought, man, I wish I'd leapt higher. Hmm. So uh, it pays to, to look to the Lord. And the other thing you asked was, <clears throat> how do we handle it? <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got a tadpole in my throat trying to evolve hmm. into a frog. <laughs> I think I killed it. Um, the key is love. And if I said to you, hey, guys, I want you to jump into that pond that's full of, full of big chunks of ice, so cold it'll kill you in three minutes. You'd say, I'll never jump into that pond. But if a four-year-old boy was in the pond and his feet didn't reach the bottom and he was drowning, you wouldn't hesitate to jump in and save him. You'd forget about your flesh because love does that. And the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Yeah. So if you've got a problem with fear, don't pray for less fear, pray for more love, because that's the problem. And so if we can have the love of Christ dwelling within us, it will help us deal with our fears. And I get fears every time I witness to someone, they look like Goliath. Mm. You know? And I just have to say, no, no, this is, he's more important than I am. Uh, his eternity is more important than me feeling a, a fear because of rejection. And I've witnessed to thousands of people and I've only been beaten up once and that was by a woman. It was completely my fault. So uh, at the moment, we've got a liberty that we need to we need to take advantage of. Man, you know, recently uh, I've actually started doing a little bit of open air preaching myself. Kind of new to the experience. And when I first started getting into it, I was I was using a microphone with a speaker set up, and I discovered that just my voice coming through that speaker almost made me feel powerful, and I discovered a bit of pride within myself, like, oh, yes, I'm out here, I'm preaching the gospel. And so there's this pride welling up within me, which is obviously very dangerous. That, that is not a response that should be coming from my heart. And yet the temptation in response to that was to actually just close my mouth and not engage with the gospel at all in an attempt to shut off that pride. How does one balance obedience to Christ when it comes to the proclamation of the gospel, but then also squishing the pride that might well up inside of us when it comes to, oh, yes, I am preaching the gospel. You know, I always remember a wise man that, uh, as I was a brand new Christian, and I had a guy who, who came to Christ. He owned a motorbike shop, and he came to Christ, and he told me that he had a big problem with pride. And I told this elderly Christian gentleman, and he just answered with one word, why? Why? <laughs> and that summed it up. 
I mean, if I'm getting proud, why? I mean, what have I got that I didn't receive? Just have to look in the mirror and see what a dozo I am. And so we all have this problem with conceit. It, it, and you just have to put money in the collection bag. And suddenly you think, oh, did you see that, folks? It's just human nature to feel like that. So I, I keep the rope really short between me and the Lord. I, I'm always confessing sin. I'm very concerned about conceit, which is worse than pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, conceit is like a whispered pride. It conceals and it comes very, very subtly. And it's just part of human nature. And it's just the same with lust. Lust is always there. It's always a burning flame. The eyes are always looking on things that we shouldn't look at. Heart is thinking of things that we shouldn't think of. And that just keeps me on my knees before the cross and realizing mm-hmm. that I'm a sinner through and through. And I'm just trying to save sinners that are sinners through and through. So mm-hmm. I got nothing to be proud about. Now, our audience is uh, made up of a lot of church people, people who who love the local church and care about the local church. And in your YouTube ministry, which is probably the way most people are familiar with you these days, we see your conversations and and you going up and engaging complete strangers with the gospel. And sometimes we'll see their minds be changed, and we'll see their spiritual eyes be opened by the Lord. And I'm sure, like us, many of our listeners wonder what happens after someone makes that profession as far as the follow-up is concerned. Do you have a process for helping those people as the Lord uses you in their life to get them into a good local church, wherever you might be? Yes and no. I've got a little booklet called Save Yourself Some Pain. So when someone's open to the gospel, I give them that. It's got, I think, 10 principles of Christian growth, reading the word, water baptism, tithing or whatever, supporting your local church and uh, fellowship, etc. However, when people say, hey, that blonde girl you witnessed to, did you follow her up? And I got to say, hey, my wife wouldn't be too happy if I followed her up. <laughs> not only that, she might not be too happy and her husband or father might not be too happy if I followed mm. her up. So I don't have the liberty to say, hey, uh, give me your email address. I want to follow you up. So I just commend them to the hand of God as faithfulness. And I got to say also, I, I, I really don't believe in the principle of follow-up. Um, I, I look at Philip, the evangelist with Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, after he was war baptized, the spirit of God whisked Philip away and leaving this eunuch in a desert by himself. And we say, how can he survive? All he had was God and the scriptures. And I say that cynically, you know, if someone is soundly saved, they'll desire the sincere milk of the word. Though the first thing I did when I got saved, no one followed me up as I just devoured the Bible. I just said, I want to know what's happened to me. And I started reading the word daily. And that's the sign of a genuine Christian. They have a genuine appetite for God. In fact, Jesus said, if you put the hand, your hand to the plow and even look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. So when someone is soundly saved, Jesus to them will be their very life, their very life, and they'll hold on to him for dear life. And they're not going to uh, look back like uh, Lot's wife. They're going to follow the Lord with all their heart because uh, they're, they're grateful for salvation. <clears throat> so you, you're not uh, concerned with them losing their salvation then, huh? Yeah, a, a, a false <laughs> convert isn't even saved. And if he's like Judas, there's nothing I can do. Uh, but when someone's soundly saved, they do put their hand at the plow. They don't look back. They're fit for the kingdom. God is able to keep them from falling and present them faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. No man will pluck them out of his hand. So uh, that's the confidence I have. Amen. Uh, you mentioned Huntington Beach, and I know that's your uh, probably 
I guess your most common fishing hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've been all over. You've been to many places. You mentioned uh, a few moments ago about a woman beating you up, and I'm I'm very interested in that. I knew you were uh, interested. Let's put a look <laughs> on your face. <laughs> but uh, considering all the places you visited and the encounters that you had, do you have um, any insights as to who has been the most receptive, what kind of person has been the most receptive, or what places have tended to be the most receptive versus the most hostile, most difficult? I don't know. I'm curious about demographically what you've learned. Well, whenever I approach a non-Christian, <clears throat> it doesn't matter who they are, I've got two confidences. One is that God has placed eternity upon their heart. They have got a will to live. And I tap into that. I just say, do you think there's an afterlife? And they say, well, I don't know. So do you think about it much? And they say, yeah, all the time. And I think, oh, here's another human being who doesn't want to die. Hmm. You know, are you afraid of dying? And they say, yeah, I am. And when they say, yes, I am, um, it shows me I'm dealing with a humble heart. And I know they're going to accept the gospel if they say I'm afraid of dying, almost certainly. If someone says, no, I'm not afraid of dying, I think you liar. You're just lying to me. You're very proud because... Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15 says that every human being, all their lifetime is tormented by the fear of death. And so I tap into that, not the fear of death, it's the will to live that I'm tapping into. That's the positive aspect of it. And I know that their will to live is on my side. They want to live, they just don't know what I have in Christ. Hmm. It's like when you go to a restaurant, when we used to go to restaurants, a... uh, uh, a waitress would come up to you and it doesn't matter who you are. If you're like a millionaire businessman with suit, you know, little briefcases and you're talking about important things, she will butt into the conversation, just boldly come up and say, yeah, are you ready to order? She doesn't say, Oh, you guys look busy. Do you mind if I ask you a question? She knows that they're there for a reason. They're there to eat and that produces her boldness. And I've got a boldness because I know that person wants the bread of life. They don't just realize, they don't realize I have the bread of life. So that's my confidence. They've got a will to live, and I tap into that. And the second thing I tap into is that I know they've got a conscience. doesn't matter who they are. They're atheists, agnostics, religious people. The work of the law is written upon the heart. The conscience will bear witness with the commandments. So when I say to someone, you're a good person, do you think? And they say, yeah, I'm real good. I know that as we go through the commandments, I have an ally right in the heart of the enemy. It's the, it's the sinner's knowledge of right and wrong. Conscience means with knowledge. And so even if I, uh, that tadpole <clears throat> is trying to rear up, it's evolving. <clears throat> I, even if I'm talking to an, uh, an Einstein, I've got confidence that I know where I'm going with them. I'm not intimidated. By the way, I wrote a book about Einstein, Einstein, God in the Bible. And I read where he said, He was embarrassed that people recognized him when he was in public. And my thought was, get a haircut. Because when you're in the public, you're going to be recognized, especially in those days. So anyway, um, if I'm in a plane next to a guy who's an intellectual, he's an Einstein, I know that his conscience brings him down to a level playing field. If I address his intellect, I'm going to get arguments. If I talk about the authenticity of scripture, the deity of Christ, suffering in the world he's got arguments he's got more and more arguments but if i go to his conscience he'll begin nodding yeah it's wrong to lie and steal i can see what you're saying and that's the confidence i have what about that lady who beat you up oh yes yes (laughs) i was in santa monica and i had a crowd probably 40 50 people 
And she used the F word twice in describing me. And I said, Madam, can you watch your language? There are ladies present. And that really upset her. She says, I am a lady. I said, Madam, you may be a woman, but you're not a lady. And she ran at me like a bat out of heaven and began beating me up. Not the normal way women beat people up. Normally they go scratch, scratch, hair pull. She was like, like she was Mike Tyson's sister or something. And she got on six punches and laid me out on the ground. And, and I got up and the, my team held her back. And then she said, let me get my handbag. And they let her go and she got on a kidney punch. And, but she doubled the crowd so she could come back anytime she wants. <laughs> but I remember I went home and I crawled into bed and I said to Sue, I got beaten up tonight. She says, oh, yeah. And in the morning when I woke up, I couldn't get out of bed. And I, it made me feel for these prize fighters that, you know, get beaten up and they come off saying, oh, I won. But the next morning is when the pain hits, you know, kicks in. Those bruises from her lasted two weeks. But mm. uh, it was just an experience to be careful with my smart mouth and to treat a woman uh, with more respect if you don't want to get beaten up by them. <laughs> <laughs> and you said that's the only time you've been physically attacked. Yeah, huh? well, the one time a drunk was trying to hit me, but he couldn't afford his way out of a wet paper bag. He was that drunk. He was just from uh. punches, and I was too short from the hit. And that's a key. Um, if someone's going to beat me up, I find out their name uh, as quickly as I can. You know, some guy comes up, he says, You. And I said, What's your name? He says, John. I says, John, you're not going to hit me, are you? I'm standing on a ladder here. You know, you're six foot two and I'm about five foot three. And you start hitting me, this crowd's going to turn against you. You're going to make a fool of yourself. And they often walk off when they realize I'm not much of a challenge. Hmm. But in all those years of open air preaching, that woman was the only time. So I don't bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So we still hmm. have a liberty in our country. And we need to. Uh, and by the way, brother, it's wonderful that you've gone an open air priest. I was just so proud of you when you said that. That's very cool. Yeah, it's been a new experience for me, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know, I'm still learning, still growing through it, still, still got a lot to learn, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. Well, same and, here, but uh, let me, let me ask you a question. Sure. How do you begin? How do I start? Just yeah, like the beginning when you're, uh, you're it, it depends on where I am. Um, some, uh, a lot of times I do some open air preaching out in front of the local abortion clinic. And so okay. usually I'm. I'm addressing something about abortion. Um, there's a, another time. There's uh, there's a local park uh, here that has a monument to a flood. The there's a record flood in our area, and the, the monument shows how high the flood was. And I'll start off by talking about facts about that flood, and say, but that's not the biggest flood that ever happened, and lead that into the story of Noah, and then how the future judgment as well. Okay, let me tell you something. has helped me more than anything and it sounds a little dumb but it sure does work and i've used it for about nearly 30 years for the first 10 years i open air preached i would have anecdotes and illustrations like you're speaking of and i was always nervous to give them i hope this works i hope it gets people's attention blah 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 but about 30 years ago i started asking trivia and having a handful of dollars in my pocket and i'd say things like when people walking past does anyone here know the capital of france it begins with p and rhymes with Arras. And I've got a dollar for you if you get it right. And someone will say, Paris? I say, ah, that's right. Here's your dollar. And people say, this guy giving away money. And then so a crowd will start gathering. You know, you know what's, the, what's the biggest killer of drivers in the U.S.? Or any questions about anything. The easier, the better. 
And then I, when a crowd starts coming around, I point to a kid and say, what's your name? He says, Tommy. I said, that's right. Here's your dollar. And I make people laugh. And that's how I've been getting in a crowd. And then I say, anybody here uh, think they're a good person? I'll give you $5 if you come and talk to me. Uh, if you're a good person, I'll give you $5. If you're not, I'll give you the $5 anyway. That creates good feeling. Mm. And it, it would hold the crowd. And, um, and it was enjoyable. And I got rid of that Goliath right at the beginning. Because mm. anyone can ask trivia and give the answers and give away money. It's a good feeling. And so it, it's just it's just it's helped me hold my fears back even do the same thing in a university just change the questions up a little bit when you want to talk about evolution say what was the name of charles darwin's wife that's right mrs darwin stuff like that <laughs> that's helpful. And once you've got that. someone who knows origin of species you've got a you've got a potential guy to get up and speak to you say tell me you believe in evolution by the sound of it come and tell me why you believe in evolution and then you go from his intellect to his conscience or when the time's right that's helpful. I'll, I'll, I'll remember that. Thank you. We've got a book on trivia throughout ministry. It's, uh, it's uh, the top trivia questions or the, the best of everything or something like that. Great. Uh, we wanted to ask, um, you know, fundamental to the, the way of the master evangelistic approach is making sure we show people the mirror of the law to expose the sin in their hearts and make them uh, aware of that before giving them the gospel. What do we miss, though, if we skip that uh, proclamation of the law before bringing the gospel? Let me see if I can give a little illustration to show how important it is. <clears throat> if, I, uh, if I have someone in front of me that trivializes sin and says something like this, I say, how many lies do you think you've told? And they say, oh, uh, uh, I've just told a few very, very small lies. They're white lies. And I say, have you ever stolen something? Yeah, when I was a little kid, I just stole a little piece of candy from a little grocery store. And when I get to the last one, I'm expecting them to say, yeah, I have lusted, but just a little bit. And I only lust after little women. You know, it's just nothing big. And I know if they trivialize sin, they're not going to understand the gospel. And it's like this. If a man doesn't understand he's broken the law, a speeding law, he's not going to appreciate the fact that somebody paid a fine for him it's such a, a an important truth if he doesn't understand he's seriously broken the law then when i tell him about his fine being paid from he's going to say what fine i don't need it. i don't need money to pay my fine i haven't done anything serious but if he realizes he's seriously broken the law and he's in big trouble then when i speak of the fine being paid from he's going to say oh yeah i need someone to pay my fine oh that's wonderful and so when someone trivializes sin doesn't see it as being serious they will skip over the gospel. I watch it again and again when I get to the gospel. And the only reason I give the gospel is because I know people are going to watch the YouTube video that are unsaved and they need to hear the gospel. But I know as this guy's going like this, saying now, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. They go, or they smirk. They don't understand the gospel. They miss it because they're not honest about their sins. And that's why when you read the parable of the sower, the good soil is hearer. The good soil is hearer is he that has an honest heart. He has understanding. So if someone's honest about their own sins, then the gospel will make sense. If they're not honest, they don't see it's being serious, then the gospel will seem foolishness to, rather than the power of God to salvation. And that's such an, an important truth. All right, we're just about out of time, but we wanted to ask you a few kind of rapid fire style questions. So quick questions, quick answers. Um, do you own a car now? Yes, I do. I've got a 10-year-old uh, VW Beetle that I drive. Oh, and I, fantastic. And I love it. 
Um, and I, if someone says, I want to give you a Lamborghini, I'd say, no, you keep it. Uh, I'll take it, but I'll sell it and use the money. For <laughs> Amen. But, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have a car for many years, but it was just difficult always asking people to take me to meetings that I had to speak at. Do you still pray the Lord's prayer every night? No. <laughs> um, just for people, that was my sleeping pill before I was a Christian. <laughs> um, for 10 years i would i could seriously i could do the lord's prayer in about four to five seconds and maybe a little longer uh but i was very quick and that was my sleeping pill it meant nothing to me except a bit of a conscience uh, thing i guess i should you know, thank god but no i don't what kind of music does ray comfort listen to i like keith green um, I, 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 I think, can uh, you, can you see back here, uh, right there? I've got my, I put my Keith green on display. I oh. figured you were a Keith green type of person. I didn't know that you actually liked Keith green, but he's right there. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Asleep in the light. Yeah. Absolutely Amen. awesome. And the uh, prodigal son, uh, helped me through a time. I went through a difficult time many years ago where I had panic attacks and it was horrific. And the mm. prodigal son, I'd listen to it and it would make me weep and weep. And I listen to it again and again, but Keith Green music has, has got depth. A lot of today's Christian music is very, very shallow. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so I, uh, I'm, um, uh, and I like, uh, I like uh, a guy named Kachachurian. Uh, <laughs> he, he wrote something um, called um, Spartacus. Um, that's more classical, um, but I'm not into music too deeply. I like, things with, good, I like things with a good tap. Tapping my foot, a good beat. Enjoy. Hmm. A couple of theological ones, real quick. These might not be quick answers, but maybe we can try. Are you a Calvinist? I'm a Calvinistic Armenianist. I've got two wings to the plane, and if I take one wing off, I'm going to crash. And whatever <laughs> I say, I'm going to get in trouble with half your audience. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. Don't answer. <laughs> That's funny. Um, do should believers when when we're evangelizing should believers give evidence of Christianity to non-believers? Yeah, uh, someone sent me a uh, <clears throat> a picture. I wish I could show it to you because the picture's worth a thousand words. It was of Robert Laidlaw. Do you know who Robert Laidlaw was? He's the world's tallest man, six foot eleven. And it's a picture of him standing with seven people, and they're about five foot six. So it looks like just huge guy there and these people here seven of them and it says this is the world's tallest man robert laidlaw he's third from the right and it was just such a dumb thing to say <laughs> you can see he was twice the size of everybody else and so when i meet an atheist i feel exactly the same as pointing out this is robert laidlaw the existence of god is axiomatic the fact that we live in a fallen creation is axiomatic the, the issue of suffering is evidence of God's existence and, and the truth of Scripture. I mean, the Scripture says we live in a fallen creation, and everywhere we look with death and disease, pain and suffering, we see this as true. And so when it comes to evidence, I'm usually fairly quick, and I often just give evidence to get someone's attention, to get the intellect thinking. And I was reading a, <clears throat> an article, sorry, a, a comment on uh, my Facebook channel page or the Facebook not Facebook, uh, YouTube. And it just says, uh, for years, I didn't think there was any existence of God, but I've been watching your videos and, and I really do now, now believe God exists and I want to thank you. But my contention is that he already knew hmm. that the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows his handiwork. And not only that, the heavens 
when, when the heavens declare the glory of God, it's a declaration. When we broke from Britain, we didn't say, hey, guys, we're, we're wondering if you might if we pull away. That was a declaration. It was like this is happening. And so the heavens declare God's glory. And so every atheist uh, has a declaration of God's existence every time he looks at the sky, every time he looks at the clouds or thunder or lightning. You don't look at thunder every time he hears thunder and looks at lightning. And so I don't spend too much time on uh, apologetics, even though we've got the evidence Bible, which is full of apologetics. I go to the conscience as quickly as I can. Well, Ray Comfort, what parting encouragement do you have for the listeners of this podcast as it pertains to living out their unity in Christ, developing convictions in this life, and not getting into foolish controversies of life as they seek to live their lives for Jesus? What, what parting encouragement do you have for them today? Well, I would say see yourself as being a survivor in the lifeboat, one of the lifeboats of the Titanic. <clears throat> Look around you, all around you, people are drowning. Do you see Do you see all the people falling down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let mm-hmm. them drown? Keith Green's song. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get into polishing the brass on the lifeboat, uh, I, I would rethink that. It's better that you reach out and pull people into the boat than get caught up with issues that may be legitimate, but they really don't matter in the light of what's happening around us. Every day, 150,000 people are swallowed by death. We have the answer to death. Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So we have, we have a moral obligation to reach out to the lost, and we must never forget that and get caught up in issues that don't really matter. Amen. Amen. We do encourage our listeners to avail themselves of the resources available on livingwaters.com, all the uh, videos on YouTube, the Living Waters YouTube channel. And we do thank you so much, Ray Comfort, for joining us today. It was a delight to have you. Yeah, thank you. It was a joy. My dog was real excited about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. God bless you guys.